This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Three or four years ago, I was trying to remember this exactly uh, what day. It's like the older I get, the more vividly I remember things that didn't happen. Um, That was Mark Twain. Uh, But there was a moment that I do vividly remember, and that was, um, I think it was we were at three services. We were in in the little sanctuary over here. And I was in the little closet praying, because that's all I had in between services. It was literally like a closet with a, like box fans and extra tables. And, but that Sunday specifically, I was praying, God, I don't think I can do the next service. Like I'm like, and I was genuine about it. And I was in, in my mind even rehearsing, okay, I could tell Mo that I'm nauseous because you, you know, nauseous is the trump card of being sick. Do you know what I'm saying? You can say headache, well, yeah, you know, suck it up and go back in. But, but, but nobody wants to see puking. So I'm thinking, okay, nauseous, I could say, I'm nauseous. Um, and then I could hand the, the microphone to Mo and just hope he listened really good for service and he could do the second sermon. Um, the problem with all that was it wasn't true. Um, that wasn't what was happening. What was happening was like my heart was racing. My uh, I was sweating. Uh, I, I was. Uh, do you ever have that feeling? Um, I don't know if you've been in a car accident or one where you. But that feeling of right after a car accident, and you your adrenaline is pumping. Darren, I don't know if this is what you felt, man, when you're you know cattle trailer or just out here on eight forty. But you're you're just amped uh, with adrenaline. Um, except that I had not had a car accident. There was no bear chasing me. Um, I was having a panic attack while preaching. And I had been doing that, having that happen to me for a few weeks and months leading up to that moment, but I was white knuckling myself through it. But on this Sunday, for whatever reason, it wasn't going to work anymore. And I had a choice, which was to, uh, you know, run out the back door and just wish everybody good luck or uh, do the one thing that I needed to do, which was the one thing I wanted to not do. The thing I needed to most do was the thing I wanted least to do, which was ask for help. And so I came back in, again, I don't remember a lot about, I just, it was worship maybe towards the end of worship, and just said, hey, you know, this is what's happening. Uh, it was really embarrassing, and I was like, oh, this is... Um, but the weird thing happened. The moment I spoke it out loud, it lost its power over me. And the thing that I feared the most, which is when you admit something like that, is that everybody's going to abandon you, the exact opposite of that happened. Everybody came around me, prayed for me. And that day, I don't know who was even in there that day, um, but I actually finished the sermon. And from that day forward, uh, by the grace of God and the body of Christ and what we're about to show you here in Romans 12, verses three through seven, uh, I've never had that happen again on a Sunday. And, yeah. And it was, the reason was that during that season, I was trying to be everything we were growing like crazy. Of course, I say that now. It's hilarious. 
There was like 300 of us. We're like, oh, we're going like crazy. Um, but I was trying to be all these things to all these people and to all the, and I was carrying this huge weight that Jesus literally never asked me to carry. It actually reminded me of, um, of a Brennan Manning. I don't know if you guys know Brennan, but uh, he said that living out of the false self creates a compulsive desire to present a perfect image to the public so that everyone will admire us and nobody will know us. And if I'm honest, what was happening in that day was I was trying to lead this thing and I was trying to uh, be all these different gifts from Romans 12. Didn't really realize that's what I was doing. But, but at the core of it all was even something much deeper than that. I was literally presenting this false sense of who I was so that people would be impressed with me rather than impacted by the Holy Spirit. Um, and what I really needed was to take a step back and to experience what I experienced that day, which was the body of Christ being the body of Christ. I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure everybody in this room, you've stubbed your toe, right? And what happens when you stub your toe? Your whole body gets involved. Do you know what I mean? You're like pouncing around, you're sitting down, you're like, you take a shoe up looking at it, you're using emergency language, some of you, not all, of course. Um, other people. Uh, but your whole body gets involved when your toe has been injured because the body is needed together. And that's, that's the whole story of Romans 12 verses 3 through 7 is that we do need each other. And when I go out rogue on my own trying to hold this thing down by myself, it ends up with me being exhausted, burned out, fried. It's why he says living sacrifice, not a dead, burned out, trashed sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And a living sacrifice looks a little bit like this, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these Members do not have the same function. So in Christ, verse five, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is service, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. And if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That's God's word. And whenever we approach God's word, let's do it prayerfully and humbly. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and ask for your wisdom, for your word to speak to us specifically. Lord, it is uh, your word that's the lamp and the light in a dark world. Not my bright ideas, but your bright light that shines into this dark world. And Father, literally right across the street, Nathan at Graceland is bringing a word uh, from the scripture this morning. And pray that you are all over that church and that body, that your spirit 
like there's life in that building for the first time in a long time, and we're so excited to see what's happening there. Lord, I, I lift up our brothers and sisters at Southview Church with Mark Rampula and Leanne and their 28 kids or however many they've got. Lord, would you just be with them this morning and bless them in the work that they're doing and Tony at Refuge Church. Lord, your name is being lifted high in many churches in our area this morning and we stand beside and say all of them are in your will and we pray that we could in unity in the same team this morning bring your word into this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, so this says very specifically that we have, verse 6, have different gifts. Okay. That denotes something here. You weren't necessarily given this gift as a gift for you. It's a gift that you have. Now I can make a case in Psalm 139 that even in your mother's womb, that you were being knit together in your innermost being, it actually speaks the language of soul inside of you, that before you were ever born, that you had that gift wired into you. So you have the gift, not been given the gift. And that's not a small distinction because it's not a gift to you, it's a gift through you. It's not a gift for you, it's a gift for those around you. And when we are in this together working, it's why he uses the language of a body that your gift and my gift are actually a gift to each other. Um, we ordered some of the Tito's last night. Do you guys know about the Tito's, right? Uh, and I am a guy that is given to the chips and salsa. Like I, right? I don't, I don't know if it was Jim Gaffigan who said it, but like I don't necessarily stop eating chips and salsa when I'm full. I only stop when I hate myself. Like I'm <laughs> full. <laughs> Like, you know what, I just woke up an hour later, there's no chips, and I don't know what happened to him. But, but in that moment of eating the chips, it's all the, my, my thumb and my index finger are a gift to each other. Do you know what I mean? It's a gift to my mouth. Like, it's a coming to, the gift coming together, that's, it's the language of a body. We have different gifts with different purpose. The index finger, the thumb have different purposes, but when they come together, they can accomplish the will and the purposes of the head. My head wanted to pound some chips and salsa last night. And so we did. <laughs> and in those seven gifts listed here, Paul is making a case that you have yours, I have mine, the enemy wants to use these for division, but the Holy Spirit wants to use this for unity in the body. And in the previous verses before, he uses this language of think, don't think more highly of yourself than you should, right? But think of yourself with sober judgment. And sober judgment just simply means believe the truth about yourself. That's the biblical definition of humility. And if that's the biblical definition of humility, then the biblical definition of pride would be thinking more highly of myself that I got, believing lies about myself. And what I was doing in my struggle was thinking more highly of myself than I should. And some might say that was an insecurity, and I know we have therapists and counselors, and I would like to suggest to you that sometimes insecurity is just pride with a sad face. I didn't want you to think I was stupid. I wanted to impress you. That's not insecurity, that's pride. That's thinking more highly of myself 
than I ought. Now, here's the thing. I'm not alone in this, and I'm about to show you. We're about to, everybody's toes about to get stepped on in some way or another here. Because we all have that struggle of thinking more highly of ourselves than our ought. And this is not a shame moment. It's a freedom moment for us this morning. The first one listed here is this one called the gift of prophecy. It's a gift of visionary. Like it's the idea of, it's, this is not the gift from 1 Corinthians 12 or Ephesians 4. This is not, I don't know how many of y'all grew up in, in a charismatic church. But you remember when uh, you, get, you invite your friend on that Sunday and that just happened to be the Sunday, always happened to be the Sunday. You all Baptists don't know about this, but in a charismatic church, that's the Sunday that Stella had a tongue and interpretation. You know what I'm saying? Not today, Stella. Come on, you're killing me. Um, that's not this gift. This gift is this idea that you can see things that are possible. And when you see a gift like this, what you're really asking is what is the gift that I am giving, not the gift that I am getting. And what the gift that people are receiving from you, if this is your gift, is the gift of what's possible. It's a gift of possibility. You see what is possible and you have no idea why people can't see that gift. Uh, people that I know that have this gift, you are confident, you're confrontational, you are, you are making stuff happen. You're breaking stuff. In our church, we have uh, a few people with this gift. My favorite uh, is Michaela Kelly. Michaela is my favorite because you don't see it coming with Michaela. She's confident. And here's what I want to say about this, especially if you're a female with this gift. In a church world, there's actually a lot of shame that goes on a woman about a gift like this. And I want you to know, Michaela, and anyone else that has this gift, that that shame is not from God, that's from the enemy. I've never wondered what Michaela was thinking. She just said it. We had a moment not long ago where we had this amazing youth night. And by the way, I'll get to Joel and his gift in a minute, but the reason why our youth ministry is so amazing is we got a visionary and we got an imparter, but she's thinking through like big things and Joel's got the ideas and visions. We, so we have these amazing ideas and there was a, a moment when um, she had this vision for what this was gonna be like and I think it involved f uh, fog, as I recall. Now, we're not really a fog church. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, there were times when I was in churches where I was like, can the Holy Spirit only move if the fog is on or do you have to have the fog off? And I, I don't have... I don't really have an opinion one way or the other, but this was for a kid tonight, so it was going to be fun. And, I, and Mo, our guardian, is saying, uh, Michaela, that's probably not a good idea because it's going to set off the fire alarms. And so what do you think Michaela did? Yeah, we had fog that night. <laughs> How long was the fog on before the fire truck showed up? Five minutes. <laughs> And I want you to know that teenagers, including mine, thought that was the best night they ever had. <laughs> People with this gift, you're going to make some mistakes. <laughs> but mistakes is how you learn. And it's actually one of the gifts that you reason we know what's possible is because you try stuff that works and you try stuff that doesn't work. And if we didn't have somebody doing both of those, we wouldn't know. And that's a gift for the body of Christ. Now, 
like I said, we, a lot of times females get a bad rap with this, but you know, men who have this gift tend to be, uh, you know, sword in hand, we're gonna charge this hill, uh, very confident, and oftentimes have a little bit of a temper problem. Um, when you hear, if you personally experience a temper, understand that's actually not anger, that's fear. When someone is raging, you're not angry, you're afraid. You're afraid of losing control. You're afraid, I'm not gonna be hurt like that again. You're, that's where that's coming from. So that is why when Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, if your gift is prophecy, prophesy according to your faith. Because when you're doing this according to your fear, people are gonna get hurt. And there's such a great example of this in scripture because Peter had that gift. And you know this because every other story of Peter is him saying something that he shouldn't have said, trying something he shouldn't have tried. And there's also stories of Peter when he's, I mean, look, he's the guy that walked on the water. You know what I'm saying? Possibilities. But in the garden, there was a moment where Peter drew a sword. He didn't strike the ears off of a soldier. He didn't strike the ear off of the high priest. The Bible tells us he struck the ear off of a servant. When you're delivering this gift out of fear and not out of faith, innocent people get hurt. And if that's been you and you've experienced some sort of spiritual hurt or abuse, know this. Jesus wants to heal you. What did he do for that high priest servant? He's like, oh, hang on, hey, I'm gonna pick up the ear. I apologize, it's not, we, should, we don't do that here. I'm so sorry, stick that back on there. It was just like normal, just like new. We, he wants to heal you. And he wants to heal the one that hurt you. You see, it was Peter who cut that dude's ear off. And don't you think that guy had an opinion? How do you think the hurt, if there was Twitter today, what would that guy have been tweeting about Peter, Peter right? Like, hashtag, you know, <laughs> Peter too, you know. Um, God wanted to redeem Peter as much as he wanted to redeem the servants, and it would be Peter not long after that that would stand in front of thousands of people with the visionary gift. Thousands of people would come to Christ, and God got glory for all of it. This gift of visionary is important. The next one on this list is this gift called the gift of serving. If your gift is to serve, then serve. And you're going to see in the next three of these, it's like, so the first one is uh, if, if it's a prophecy, do it according to your faith. But these next three, it's like if it's uh, to serve, then serve. If it's to teach, then teach. If it's to encourage, then encourage. Because these next three are really pretty bad at the whole FOMO thing. Like these next three, we're the ones that tend to get way out of our lane, trying to do all kinds of stuff we were never called or created to do. And there's a little bit of just an admonishment of, hey, if this is your thing, just stay in your lane. It's gonna make you happy and everybody else around you happy. And this gift here is one of those. If it is serving, then serve. This gift is a gift of practicality. If, if a visionary is about possibility, this is about practicality, about getting stuff done. And we need that in the body of Christ so much. Now, if you've got that gift, those that I know that have this gift, and I know one very, very well because I married her. 
she is much, it is from the heart. When Shannon is doing what she does, it's not from the head, but it's from the heart. She feels the need before you even maybe know you have the need yourself. This is a very feeling based, and, I, and I, in this room, I mean, I hate to project people's, like, I, I know your gift and you don't, like, that's beyond me to know. Uh, I can only tell you that, that's, that I experienced this from you or that or the other, but, but we have uh, some people, and like, I don't know, Bob and Carol, if this is yours, because Bob, you dance too much on a cruise ship, so I, you, I feel like you might be encouraging, I don't know, but, but I know this, that this dynamic duo, when they get together, I've never seen anything like it. When there's a project to get done, the amount of action that they can accomplish in the short amount of time, it ought to be studied at Vanderbilt, like with people with clipboards and white coats and observing. Well, how do they do that? What, oh, do that again. Where did that come from? It's just this miraculous power of these gifts that are working together in Bob and Carol Carlion. In this entire room, there are probably dozens of you. And for the most part, the thing that if you are thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, so to speak, if you are believing a lie about yourself, that lie seems to be here that you're only loved if you're serving, that you're only worth it if you can actually do something to earn it. And there's this beautiful story about that in Mary and Martha. Do you know about Mary and Martha? It's, it's in the Bible, in the book of Luke, chapter 10. You can go there later. Jesus and his disciples, verse 38, were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So you already know, this is probably a collaborator. My wife wants to open her home all the time. Uh, she loves hospitality, and I love sitting in a corner and staring at a wall. So we've really had a great marriage. Uh, <laughs> But she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Martha, verse 40, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. That is a storyline of every collaborator or service ministry person that I've ever met. Distracted by all the preparations that had to be made because you can't help it. You see what has to get done. I don't see any of it. My wife is 100% befuddled at how I can miss the most obvious things that were right in front of me, and I just don't see it. It's not my gift. I mean, there are days that I literally could not find my rear end if I had a map and a flashlight. Like, I don't know where my keys are. I don't know where my jacket is. I don't know how much time you have spent finding my keys. But there's a for, for sure a jewel in your crown for it. There's a reward in heaven for it. She knows, she sees. But listen, what happened in this moment. Jesus is right there in front, in their home. And what Martha saw was what needed to be done, not Jesus. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care? Don't you see? Again, the swan song of a, Someone with this gift is that you don't see me. You don't see all this work that I'm doing. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do this work by myself? Tell her to help me. And by the way, people that I know that have this gift also, very assertive. <laughs> you don't see it coming. <laughs> and Jesus said, Martha, Martha, it's a Jan Brady moment. Martha, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, 
You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. You see, those things that had to get done, dinner, those were things that could be done, that needed to be done, but he's saying there's literally only thing, in this moment, there's only one thing that needed to be done. You could do the dishes later. You can cook this later. I, Mar- here's what he's saying, Martha, you see what needs to be done, but you didn't see me sitting in this room. Jesus saw her, and he's inviting her to see him, which is why he wasn't saying Mary did it right, Martha did it wrong. He was saying, this is your gift, but out of fear, you don't have to do all this stuff to be loved and to be seen by me. I already saw you when you walked in the door. You don't have to do this. And so when you receive this and give this as a gift to other people, you are no longer trying to get something. It is about what you give, not what you're getting. And one more thing to say, not a single thing you could do that Martha could have done that day that would have made Jesus love her one inch more. He loved her before he walked in the door, not after she did the dishes. The dishes can wait. Make sure you don't sacrifice Jesus for the work that needs to be done. The third one here uh, is discerner, and we spent enough time talking about that. That's my gift. Um, I could talk about it ad infinitum. In the scripture, you'll see Aquila and Priscilla, and I think that um, Aquila was this teaching gift here, and Priscilla was the encourager gift, which I find to be fascinating, which is why I think you see uh, Priscilla and Aquila all the time. Her name is almost always first. And if you're around an encourager, that is no surprise because they're a party everywhere they go and their name is always coming first. So there's a little bit of that, but I would say that if you have this gift, my warning to you, if, you're, if it is to teaching, then teach, okay? Don't impress. Don't try to make people think you're smarter than you are. Just teach. Let the Holy Spirit bring the impact, right? Uh, and leave the being impressed, lay that on the altar. The next one is this gift called an encourager. Uh, if it is to encourage, then give in. Encouragement and the gift that that is the people around me that I know have that gift you give me the gift of purpose Because there's so much courage that you guys put up. I mean, it's the, the people that I know that have this gift Y'all get a lot done in a day. You're like this endless supply of energy and joy and accomplishment and your personal trainers and your entertainers and you're a blast at a party and I didn't think about it until later, but if I'm right, and Aquila and Priscilla, right, were a teacher and a, um, an encourager side by side, it almost explains why I intuitively, uh, subconsciously, I have surrounded myself with encouragers. Jason, in case you were wondering, Exhibit A, our worship pastor. Joey, right? Y'all been around Alpha Nights? If, you, if you're around Joey for any length of time, it's a party wherever Joey is going. That's just what he does. That's how he wakes up in the morning. We've got, who else are Audrey? Who am I forgetting? Oh, gosh. The mo- <laughs> I'm actually going on a trip with Eric tomorrow for the very first time. And here, I'm going to make some predictions on past trips I've had with encouragers. He said, it's going to be fun. There's going to be a moment where he and I will be mid-conversation, and at some point I'm going to say, where did Eric go? He was just here. <laughs> but something will have drawn him someplace else, and, and we will have a blast. There will never be a dull moment. And you look at, in the Bible, Paul, 
Who did he take with him on his journeys? Barnabas, the encourager. If you're going on a long mission trip where there are long days and longer nights, throwing an encourager into the mix is like throwing a bag of Jolly Ranchers in. It's going to be a blast and nice and fruity and fun the whole time. So anyway, that, not fruity. I'm sorry. That's bad. bad. Yeah, we're not that church. Um, I did it. It's second service, dude. I'm sorry. I, it's, the filter's broken. The, 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 this gift, and by the way, if it's your gift is encouragement, encourage. People that I know have this gift. You, your FOMO is as strong as anybody I've ever met. You want to do everything because you don't want to miss out on the fun. And if it's to be an encourager, then bring courage. And by the way, it's not like just being a cheerleader. Like, go team, rah, rah, rah. It's like literally just by the very life that you have, you just, are, you just bring courage into the room. The way that you live your life is encouraging. It's inspiring. It brings courage to those around you. And uh, man, our church, when you talk about why we have, we have so much fun on staff, it's because we're surrounded by a whole bunch of people that are not me. Um, the, the next one is this gift called giving, give generously. Uh, the idea of that is um, it's, it's imparting, you're imparting of your soul. It's not about giving money. And the gift that you give, if you have this gift, is the gift of peace. It's a gift that you are great at conflict resolution. In the Bible, there's somebody named Titus that is mentioned over and over again. And he never gets his own book, but he's everywhere. And every time you see him, he is being sent in to try to handle conflict for Paul. Because at some point, Paul opens his big mouth and he says something mean and it hurts somebody's feelings and he sends in Titus to clean up. That's the difference between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. (laughs) By 2 Corinthians, he's got to send Titus in there to help smooth things over. If you read 2 Corinthians, he's talking about, I know you thought I said this, but I didn't mean that. But, but he sends Titus along, and Titus does an amazing job of inserting peace into that conversation, into that conflict. And in a world right now that is as divided as it's ever been, we need imparters rising up everywhere and infusing peace into the world in front of us, in our churches, in our families, letting them bring those gifts our youth ministry, Joel leads our youth ministry. Uh, that's his gift. And when you've got a, what, a busload of teenagers, first of all, it's exhausting for him because that's definitely punches him right in the imparter. Like that's, because it's nothing but conflict for days. When you throw that many teenagers in a bus together, there's going to be conflict. Two buses, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah we're, we're like headlining your first youth tour, man. We need to get a semi out there two buses. He's the guy that brings peace into that. And our kids love and trust Joel because he brings peace into their lives. He brings this sense of it's, it's a steady hand on the wheel. And he's a lot of fun. Uh, the people that I know that have this gift, they're fun. They have a, they're, they're party people. They love it. But they're very much about peace and we've got, in our world, Jeremy Heslip, Jim Henderson, like we're surrounded by people with that gift. The next one is this gift called uh, leading. And it says if you is to lead, do it diligently. And that gift um, is literally about protection. It's called a guardian. Uh, this gift is the one that 
spreadsheets are important to you. Like you are literally about protecting, keeping things in order. In our world, uh, Mo has for sure been that in our lives. Like he, like, you know who's thinking about the parking lot and the six inches of rain we're about to get next week? Mo. You know when he started thinking about that? Probably like three days ago. And you know when I have thought about it? Just now. <laughs> but he thinks about it like that's his gift. And his gift is, he, he's, well, his gift is that he does not sleep at night so that I can. I mean, that's really, when you think about it, that's kind of the, that sums it up. But that gift is important across the board in every corner of ministry. Most of the idea, most of these ministries that we've seen that have collapsed and done, you know, flamed out, most of them had run by a visionary or an encourager that was charging the hill. Literally, we could do this. We can make this happen. We can bomb this. But they didn't have guardians around going, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody should stop and make sure we have enough money to do that. Someone should make sure, is this technically legal what we're doing here? Because visionaries, like, you, you, you'll press it. You encouragers, like, oh, we'll figure that out later. We're having too much fun right now. But the guardians come in and say, no, no, we need to make sure that this is in place. And the voice of the guardians in this church have a place at the table to say to somebody like me, hey, that's a great idea, Darren. Uh, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And the answer almost always is, uh, no, have not. It's a gift that works together. It's not in conflict against us. It's in cooperation with us. And you know what? The lie here for a, for a guardian it's literally about whether you're even qualified to speak up at all. That's why he says here to do it if your gift is to lead, like this, again, guarding administration, do it diligently. And that word diligently means quickly, hasty. Do it fast. You know why that matters? Because you'll talk yourself out of it. You overthink it. You've taken so many laps in your head thinking about this or thinking about that. And he's saying here, your admonition is don't let fear steal that from you. Think of yourself not more highly of yourself than you ought. Think about the truth. And the truth is this is a gift that I gave you, right? Think back to Moses in Exodus chapter four when he told God, it's two chapters literally of a guardian telling God why I can't do what God clearly called me to do. I mean, God is burning bushes. He's got snakes turning into, like sticks turning into snakes. He got leprosy and healing it. And Moses was still, yeah, but have you thought about this? Guardian 101, right? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just being realistic. And at some point, God had to say, okay, Moses, I'm gonna need you to trust me on this one. And one of my favorite parts, and this is a message for every guardian in this room, he said to Moses, when Moses says, I can't even speak very good, Aaron is already on the way. Now Moses didn't know that, but God did. God already factored in Moses' incompetence when he called him, and he already began to bring other gifts around him for when it was time. If you're a guardian, you may not know it. You're trying to talk yourself out of it. But understand this, you doing this in faith means doing it diligently and in haste is that God has already got your Aaron on the way for yours. And the last one is a gift called mercy. It's a gift of the responder. Uh, the gift that I get from people that have this gift is the gift of passion. It's a gift that is of, of concern. It's of, it's of genuine passion and concern. Uh, someone that has this gift and you see it over and over again in scripture, but this gift is one that if you're in crisis, this is the one you want by your side. Every church needs a church full of these people. Uh, Kyle Froman has been that for us on our staff. 
If you've ever had been in the hospital and you know that Kyle, you'd be telling him you're in the hospital. He's literally getting in the car while you're on the phone coming to be with you. And he doesn't leave, he stays because that's the gift that he has that was meant to be one of mercy to sit with you in trauma, to sit. And he says here, and if you have this gift, do it cheerfully because the, the lie of that is that my only value is as if I am, am handing this out and you end up just carrying all this weight and all this sadness, but that's not the way that it was meant to be. It wasn't you. Your gift is not taking your, their sadness on you. Your gift is giving your mercy to them. And in the book of John, we see the gift of that responder in John himself. They run to the battle. Who was the one disciple who showed up at the cross for Jesus? Only one. Judas was obviously predisposed. He had something else going on. Um, But the other 10, where were they? John was there at the cross When Jesus looked down and said, would you take care of my mother? He had 11 disciples that he could have chosen and he chose John because he knew that John had that gift of responder, that John wasn't gonna leave, that he was gonna stay. And in this church family, I pray that we have tons of those gifts, especially the responder here. We're out of time, but I want you to know that we're moving on next week into the next part of Romans 12. Uh, I pray that you find what this gift is in your life and encourage you that if you don't know and you're all freaked out and worried whether you're going to do it, you know the major difference between this and any other, uh, whether it's Myers-Briggs or DISC or Finders, those things are not bad. They're all tools, but they're literally telling you what about you. This is not about what you get. This is about what you give. This is not a gift that, you know what I mean, that you're getting about you. This is not navel gazing. This is literally about looking into the world around you. It's a spiritual gift, a life gift of how you live your life. And if you don't know what it is, just go back to Romans 12, one, two, three. Offer yourself a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, right? Being transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you will know what his will for your life is good, is perfect, is pleasing will. And then he says, this is his will, these things. So instead of spending an enormous amount of time trying to imagine and figure out what your gift is, spend an enormous amount of time just offering your life as a living sacrifice. And then go be whoever gets up off your knees, go be that, because that's gonna be your gift. Stand to your feet and uh, let's pray. This will be the last time, by the way, I've still got the books out in the lobby. If you wanna go deeper on this, they're still available today. And after that, they'll be available on Amazon. But if you do want a deep dive, They're out there. Heavenly Father, you gave us these gifts, these seven gifts, the number of completion. Lord, you bled from seven places on the cross. Like you, seven is your number of perfection and wholeness. And I pray that our church family is full of brothers and sisters who are living out the perfect gift that you have given for us. Lord, would you forgive us, forgive me for those moments where I think more highly of myself and I'm trying to deliver all this other gift. Forgive me for thinking more highly, for pride, that I might be transformed into the person that you have created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.